So, uh, what are we going to talk about today? We're talking about uh, who we are, who are you, understanding your identity in Christ, and understanding your identity in Christ is the only way to really deal with sin. The only way to fight sin and fight the battle with sin that we, we all fight at times, or, or all the time, is by understanding our identity. We, we fight from a position in Christ, and it is what we believe then, what we believe is important, because our belief determines and controls our behavior. Your beliefs always, your beliefs always control your behavior, whether you recognize it or not. You, what you say you believe and what you believe are often two different things. Do you know that? Right? So what you say you believe and what you believe, because you'll, what, <clears throat> how many of you believe that exercise is good for you? How many of you exercise? You know, I think it's, the, what is it you need, they say you need to exercise uh, 60 minutes, five days a week uh, to, you know, to get the full health benefit of that. So uh, how many are doing that? Three of you? Thank you. Okay. Probably two liars in that bunch. Uh, <laughs> no, not really. I, I, I wouldn't. <clears throat> no, no. No, I'm just saying that. A lot of times we know, I mean, we know, we know what we, and, and we have to be careful because we don't want the, <clears throat> we don't want the Christian walk is not living under the sense of ought, like you ought to exercise. Because the ought doesn't give you any power to do it. it like you say, even though we know what we ought to do, <clears throat> does it make you do it? It doesn't compel you to do it. It doesn't, it doesn't wake you up in the morning and make you do it. There, it, there, has, there, there has to be a belief, some, something where your belief changes, where it changes your behavior. And that's, what's, that's why this is important. We need to know what we believe. And I've never seen, I've never seen a time in my, in my years of pastoring where so many people know so little about who they are in Christ. And if you don't understand who you are in Christ, you have no basis to stand against. Uh, it's very difficult for you to stand against temptation. So today we're going to talk, use the term, talk about the term saved. We use the term saved in the church. We bandy around quite a bit. I got saved. He got saved. You know, they all got saved. Uh, what does it mean? Well, in Scripture, it means, it means a lot of things. <laughs> It means that there are things that we are saved from, and there are things that we are saved to. In other words, we're, that this process of being saved, God is doing something. He saved us from something, but then he's also saved us to something. That it's, 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 uh, it's not just a, oh, I got saved, and then it's done. It's, it's this, this ongoing thing that God's doing. Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 16. Uh, anybody heard that verse? Uh, it's kind of, you know. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son in the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved 
through him. So we see that Jesus came to seek and save the lost, uh, came to save sinners, Paul said, of whom I am the chief, Paul said. Uh, so this seeking and saving, Jesus came to, to save us from perishing. So which doesn't sound like a good thing to perish, right? But instead of perishing, we get eternal life. Seems like a pretty good trade-off. So Jesus came to trade with us instead of us perishing to give us eternal life. So this is illustrated in Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to walk through a couple of verses here uh, in Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 1. Excuse me. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked, According to the course of this world. Now, he's, Paul is talking to the Ephesians. He's saying, do you remember what, what you, where you used to be? Do you remember how lost you used to be? Remember how you were, you walked in disobedience to the things of God, and you didn't even know it. I mean, you didn't have a clue. I mean, you, you didn't know it. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, according to the, you know, the, the devil. You were walking according to the course of the world set by the devil. You didn't know, you didn't know it. You didn't know you were in rebellion. Uh, according to the, uh, the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, wrath even as the rest. Now, this is what we often describe when we say, well, you know, someone was lost. Or, how are they lost? How do they know? They're, what do you mean they're lost? Well, they're lost because they're lost in, <coughs> excuse me, in their relationship with God. They're, they're dead in their trespasses and sins. <coughs> okay, just trying to get that all out of there, all right? <coughs> all right, rev up the motor. So, did you know that dead people don't know they're dead? That's pretty obvious, right? In the same way, people who are dead in Christ, who were dead spiritually, he said, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You didn't know you were dead. You didn't know you were dead until Jesus offered you life. You, you were not even aware. You were walking. You were dead in sin. You were walking according to the will and plan of Satan. You were in willing rebellion to God, and you were indulging in the lust of the flesh and the lust of the mind, and that would have been a bad place to stay if God had left us there, but he didn't. He didn't leave us dead because verse 4 says, but God. <laughs> but God. We would be lost, hopeless, without any help, any way to be saved. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you've been saved. We were dead, he made us alive. He saved us. A.W. Pink, who is a theologian, has written this about salvation. He said, in the New Testament, salvation is threefold in scope. And we understand this. It's past, present, and future. And it's threefold in its character, from the penalty of sin, from the power of sin, and from the presence of sin. 
Every believer has been saved from the penalty of sin, but we yet shall be saved from the presence of sin. And at the Lord's return, we shall be completely emancipated from the dominion and pollution of sin. So when we think about salvation, we have been saved. If you've come to Christ, you have been saved because of what Christ is, because God intervened. You have been saved and you are being saved. And we will be saved. So why did we need mercy? He says, so he says, but God being rich in mercy, why did we need mercy? Well, you need mercy because we're guilty. We were guilty. We were guilty of sin. We need mercy. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. What do we deserve? Well, we deserve wrath and judgment. We, we've all, he said, you were all children of wrath. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. He said, you were all doing what you wanted to do. You were all following the lust of the flesh. You were all following the lust of your minds. You were doing what you wanted to do. He said, but God intervened and God gave you mercy. God gave you what what you didn't deserve so that we're now justified by his blood and saved from his wrath. And that's one of the things we need to understand. The, the primary thing that you're saved from is from the wrath of God. God saves us from his own wrath. It says, by his great love with which he loved us, he demonstrated his love. We are saved from the wrath of God and saved to the love of God. Romans 5, 9. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So... God stepped in to save us from the coming judgment that was coming from him. <laughs> He's the only one who can judge us. He's the only one who, has, who is able to judge us. He's the righteous judge, and he's judge. And so we're under the wrath and judgment because we were dead in our sins. We participated in our sins. We were, had joined in the rebellion we were sons of disobedience. We're joined in the rebellion against God, and God has set in and sent his son, set his love upon us so that we received salvation in Christ and that we may be saved from the wrath of God. So, I don't know if you know if it's good news or anything, but God's not mad at you anymore. Did you know that? God's not mad at you. What if you... What if you really lose it today in sin? Is he going to follow you home in your car and cause you to have a flat? You ever know, you ever know people live like that? That, that, that? They think God's like that? They think God's just waiting for them to make a mistake so he can get them back? <laughs> Listen, if God wanted to get you, he would have got you before he forgave you. He had a lot of reason to get you a long time ago, but now in Christ, you've been set free from the law of sin and death. So now he's, he wants to give you life. The, 
that the wrath of God in Christ has been satisfied because of the complete work of Christ. God's not mad at you, even when you do stupid stuff. Doesn't mean the consequences don't happen. Right? I could, I could walk off the stage, walk, off to, walk back to Ricky Wright, and, you know, and maybe if I can catch him off guard, punch him in the nose. Okay? And I can say, oh, Ricky, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't, the devil made me do it. Uh, I really wanted to, but the devil made me do it, and so I participated with him. And I can say, I know the Lord forgives me. And he does. But are there still consequences with Ricky? He may punch me back. Which, you know, two old men fighting would last tops maybe seven seconds. Have you ever actually been in a real fight? Have you ever actually been in a real fight? Because when you're in a real fight, I mean, I haven't. This is a long, long time ago. Okay. (laughs) When you're in a real fight, the adrenaline makes you tired so fast that in just, in about, you've got, you've got maybe 15 or 20 seconds before you're going to be, you can't even lift your arms up to throw a punch. You're like this. We're safe from that. We're safe from doesn't mean we, there's not consequences. We, that's, why we, that's one of the main reasons why you want to stop doing stupid things is because there are consequences. But one of them isn't that God's angry at you. And that empowers us. It should empower us to realize, listen, uh, you know, God is, even in, my, even in my stupidity, even in doing dumb stuff, God's still for me. He's still on my side. He's still going to help me. So God stepped in to save us from the wrath of God. Verse 5, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. When we were dead in our transgressions, he stepped in and made us alive together in Christ. And we were talking about this issue on Wednesday night. We were talking about, you know, uh, Brenda asked a very good question. We talked about, you know, uh, God chose us. And how does that work? Does, I mean, how, how can we be chosen and have a free will? Right? I mean, how? So, I mean, Adam and Eve were eight of the fruit of the tree. God didn't slap it out of their hands. I mean, I wish he had of. But that's not how it works. I mean, so we, we have a free will. But yet it seems that salvation is at times, when you read the scripture, it's predetermined, it's predestined. So I don't know. So, so what's the answer? And I, I think the only thing you say is the answer is somehow both. And it's a mystery. Because there's a lot of things about God that will, for, for us, until heaven, be a mystery. They will be beyond our capacity to comprehend that God can do both because we think, I, I don't, because all I can think, I can think today and tomorrow. I can only think linearly. And yet, I, God spoke the world into existence and exists outside of time and yet can be in time anytime he wants. Yep. 
Because he is the substance of all things. This world exists because he holds it together. And if he doesn't hold it together, it doesn't exist. So, so he knows the end from the beginning. He's the Alpha and the Omega. You know, that's why we have a book that has the end written in it. <laughs> you know, think about that. I mean, our Bible has the last days. It's like, this is how it's going to end. This is what's going to happen. And this is, heaven's going to come down to earth. And this, we're like... How do we know the infinite beginning? Because our God spoke it all into existence. So in the same way he says you were dead, here's the interesting thing. Dead people can't make themselves alive. When, when Jesus said to Lazarus, who was dead three days, and he stood before his tomb, and he said, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus had no participation in his resurrection from the dead. He wasn't, he, he wasn't back there in the tomb saying, right, here we go. I'm just waiting for Jesus to say, Lazarus, come forth. Ta-da! You know, he didn't do that. Why? Because he was dead. <laughs> Until Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. He couldn't participate at all. Who did it? Who did all of that? Who initiated that? Jesus. That's, that's the way our salvation is. He initiates it. He calls us to himself. We, and then we are made alive together with Christ. It's amazing. He says, by grace you've been saved. Uh, what's grace? Now, mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. The Bible talks about lavish grace, abundant grace, grace upon grace. This is not barely making it to heaven grace, but taking other people with you grace. No, this isn't like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm just going to barely crawl over the finish line. That's not, that's not what the Bible talks about. It talks about an abundant grace that carries us lavishly into God's presence it's a grace that makes Christianity different from every other religion. Grace is what makes Christianity different. Every other religion says, every other religion says, this is the list of things you have to do to get to God. You got to go on this pilgrimage. You got you to meditate. You got you to do these things. You got to pay this money. You got to take these steps. You got to read L. Ron Hubbard's book. You got to, you know, go watch Mission Impossible seven times. You know, you got all the, you know. But Christianity is different because Christianity is not about what you have to do to get to God. Christianity is about what God did to get to you. What God did to save us. And he gave us grace that we don't deserve. Number, verse 6, and he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This, I just read this and I, it, it amazes me. I, you know, sometimes you just read, you know, we read through scripture and we think, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. He raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
He raised Christ from the dead. And in raising Christ from the dead, he's raising us from the dead and he's seating us. And it's, did you, did you notice this? It's not saying that he's going to seat us. That someday when Jesus comes back, we'll get seated. When is it? When are we going to be seated? I think it's already happened, hasn't it? We have been seated. He seated us with him. Is Christ seated in the heavenly places? So we're seated with him. Hebrews 1, 1 says it this way, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways in these last days, has spoken to us in his son whom he appointed heir of all things, to whom he also made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. He upholds all things by the word of his power. And when he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. It's like, it's done deal, right? He made purification for sins. He sat down at the right hand of the Father. And then we are somehow seated with him. So here's a couple of things I think it means. He sat down. Uh, he sat down, and we're seated in the heavenly places. It's, it means that we are bound with Christ. We are tied into, we are, we are covenanted in through the blood of Christ, through the blood of Christ, this divine covenant. We are bound into the finished work of Christ. It, it's, I mean, it's done. You know, you think about so that we are now seated with Christ in heavenly places. We, it means sonship. Now we are the sons of God. Our adoption is secure and finished. It can't be undone. There's no, there's no, uh, devil doesn't have any attorneys. Uh, well, he does, but not specific, you know, attorneys. Uh, devil's got everything else. I'm not just attorneys, you know. He's got preachers too. Uh, <laughs> just when you say that, I think about the attorneys that are here when I say that. You know, I didn't want them to feel like, you know, I was picking on them. Because uh, they're always easy to pick on. Uh, but the devil is not, doesn't have the ability to somehow go in and undo our adoption. Undo, you know, it's like in the world system, there's always loopholes. There's always things that, I mean, even, even your kids, even, even your kids that are your kids. The government can come and take away your kids. I'm sure you've probably read about the man in, in Canada who refused to refer to his eight or nine-year-old girl daughter as a he. And they put him in prison. In Canada. 
It's coming. You better know who you are in Christ. So when you think, well, yeah, I'm, I'm not, you think, I'm just doing what's, what, as a parent, he's just doing what he thinks is right by his daughter. And they're, they've taken away his right to be a parent. So, yeah, the world system has loopholes. God doesn't have any loopholes. Jesus took out all the loopholes. We're adopted, and the adoption in Christ, you're a son of God. It cannot be undone. Think about that. It means inheritance. I don't even know what this means. I, I don't, I mean, I re, you know, you read this stuff, you think, well, we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We have, we have the same inheritance as Jesus? I mean, Jesus is God. Jesus is the creator. I mean, Jesus is the one who spoke the world into existence. In the beginning, the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the one who spoke the world into existence. He is God of very God. He is God in the flesh. And God has said, I'm going to bring all of you in to our, it's got to be our, right? <laughs> everything we have, everything that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit has, everything that we have is yours. It's amazing to me. It means authority. It means authority. It means we're going to reign with him. Boy, he's got a lot of faith in us. <laughs> so we're bound into the finished work of Christ. So, so what was this about? This was about we are seated with him in the heavenly places. This is an incredible thing. We are seated with him in the heavenly places. We have this position that's not going to be taken away. We have this inheritance that we will receive. We have this authority that we are going to reign together with God the Father. So that, verse 7, so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus talks about this a couple of times in scripture about what God's doing. He's doing because he wants to brag about it in eternity. And I, I, we, we did it, we, we sang about it earlier. We sang what a beautiful name it is. And I, 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 don't, I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't, I don't know what it's going to be like, but just let me imagine just for a moment that, that we're, we're just, we're doing our, you know, we're working in heaven. We've got our job in heaven. We're caring about our business in heaven. And we hear the voice of God booming throughout heaven. And he says, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Jesus! You know what happens when that happens? The Bible says that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, both in heaven and on earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord 
to the glory of God the Father. So, I, you know, it's just like the Father says Jesus, and we all go, whoa, Jesus! Jesus, you saved us! Jesus, you saved us. You, you purchased us with your blood, people from every tongue and tribe and people and nation. Jesus, thank you. Jesus, wow. Jesus, you're amazing. And Jesus goes, you know, just like those guys when they get a, someone who helped them in the basketball shot, they, they point to the guy who helped them make the basketball shot. And Jesus points to the God the Father and says, God the Father made it all possible. And we all go, God the Father, you're amazing. And then, this is what I don't get. He says, and look at all of you. And we look around and think, oh, wow, look what God did. Look at all these sons and daughters. You can't imagine. You can't imagine how glorious we're going to be. He did this to bring us into his eternal family. We're not going to be shabby get-byers in heaven. We are going to be changed into his likeness. Into his glory. So if, if we were to look, if we were able to see what we're going to look like in eternity, we would be tempted, C.S. Lewis says, to worship. Because we are going to be clothed with the radiance of his glory. And when you look around and think, look what God did with us. He took us from death and gave us life. And now he has made us. So in, in heaven, in heaven, in the ages to come, he'll say, look at my sons and daughters. Jesus will say, look at my bride, which I purchased with my blood. And we will celebrate who we are in Christ. And who we are in Christ empowers us to fight sin in this present age. Understanding who you are to the praise of his glory. To the praise of his glory. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand. I got one more verse. I'm going to read to you while you're standing. For by grace you've been saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. Because of who you are, you have been created in Christ to do good works. There's no good works that can save you. There's no good works that get you closer to God. 
There's no good works that earn you anything with God. But I think a lot of Christians are miserable today because they've never gotten around to doing what God's called them to do. See, you're not, you're not as a Christian, you're not going to be fulfilled until you're serving where God wants you to serve. And what does that mean? It, it's, every, it's just, some of you, it's in the church. Some of you, it's at the job. Some, a lot of you, it's going to be both. You're going to, you're going to mix both those together because, because the church is God's method for bringing his grace to the world. So he's going to use the church. But the Lord wants to use you. He's before ordained good works that you should walk in them. And if you'll, and if you'll start watching, you're going to find he's opened a spot for you. He's before ordained. In other words, it's, you know, a reservation's been made. This person needs to be talked to right here. This person, guess who's going to walk right by them? Greg Dietz. So we've made a reservation. Heaven's made a reservation for Greg to talk to this person. And here's the reality. God's going to fill your life with opportunity to talk about how good he is. If you'll just say, okay, God, tag, I'm it. I, I, I want you to use me. I want you to use me. Lord, I, I, wanna, I, I want you to use me. And you'll find that at work and in your family and with people you would never expect that God will make a reservation As a matter of fact, what the Bible says, he already made it. Yes. <laughs> Just waiting for you to show up. Amen. So, Lord, we, we want to be the people, Lord, that not only know who we are, but we're, <clears throat> we want to we do what you've called us to do. In a world filled with so much selfishness and self-centeredness and meism, self-importance, Oh, Lord, let us realize how important you are and how glorious you are, how incredible it is that you have forgiven us and brought us into your eternal family, and you have graced us and given us mercy, and you've given us the opportunity in Christ to bring your love to the world around us. Help us, Lord, to do that and say yes to the call. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. I love you. Have a great, great week.